Welcome to the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. I'm Sean Aylmer. You might be familiar with my guest today. Georgie Dent is a journalist, a keynote speaker, and the author of the 2019 book, Breaking Badly. She's also the executive director of The Parenthood, an advocacy group that wants to see Australia become the best place in the world to be a parent. But for that to happen, changes are needed, from family-friendly working conditions to better childcare and early education. Georgie Dent, welcome to Fear and Greed. Thank you for having me. A simple question up front, what's the biggest challenge for parents in the workplace, Georgie? There is no doubt that for parents in Australia, the biggest challenge is being able to combine their caring responsibilities with their need to be able to financially provide for their family. So just simply being able to make those two pieces of the puzzle work together is extraordinarily difficult. How does Australia rate compared to others? Are we improving the ability for individuals? And I presume mostly it's about primary caregivers and the primary caregiver often is a, is a woman. Is it fair to say we're making improvements in that area or not? The unfortunate reality is Australia lags the world in the provision of evidence-based policies that we know support children, but also particularly support mothers in their ability to combine their caring responsibilities with paid work. So Australia has got the second least adequate paid parental leave scheme in the OECD. So America is the only country that has got a a less generous paid parental leave scheme than, than we have. So in the OECD, the average length of paid parental leave that families have access to is 53 weeks. Now, in Australia, we've got 18 weeks for the primary carer and we've got two weeks for the dad and secondary partner. Now, we have had a commitment from the Labor government, the Albanese government, to move to 26 weeks by 2026. And that is incredibly welcome because for a decade we saw absolutely no progress. But even moving to 26 weeks would put Australia still towards the back of the pack when it comes to developed countries. What's the opportunity cost, Georgie? What are we missing out on if we don't do it? The opportunity cost is extraordinary. So aside from the fact that we've got inadequate paid parental leave, we've also got some of the most expensive early childhood education and care in the world. We know that the cost of childcare is so high that it acts as a deterrent even before a baby is necessarily conceived, you know, when couples are even thinking about planning their family, in Australia they've already built into their planning that the cost of care is so high that two parents working doesn't make sense. And so we have a situation where despite being a world leader in educating girls and women, we are a global laggard when it comes to women's workforce participation. And the reason for this is because we haven't invested in the infrastructure that enables women in particular, women with children, to participate in paid work. And why that matters is twofold. So for our productivity as a nation, the biggest opportunity we have is tapping into women. That was a clear theme at the Jobs and Skills Summit last year. The economist um, and chief executive of the Grattan Institute, Danielle Wood, in her speech said quite memorably that if untapped women's workforce participation was a giant iron ore deposit, we would be spending every single dollar we have and many dollars that we don't have to get it out of the ground. We haven't made that investment. And what that means is our national productivity is significantly hampered, but it also means 
for individual women, it is incredibly difficult to develop and attain financial security. And if you don't have financial security, you don't have any security. You know, your choices are directly linked to the financial means that you have in lots of cases. And so the opportunity cost in economic and social terms for women is huge. But the other thing that is less known is the extent to which Australia is letting down children. Now, in a recent UNICEF report, Australia ranked 32nd out of 38 wealthy countries when it comes to the well-being of children. And the report specifically called out that we are we are failing to consistently provide good health, educational and mental health outcomes for children. We know that at the moment, we spend at least $15 billion a year on late intervention. So that is money that we would save if we were ensuring that children had access from, from birth to the early childhood development, education and care opportunities they need to thrive. Stay with me, Georgie. We'll be back in a minute. My guest this morning is Georgie Dent, Executive Director of The Parenthood. Just explain that. So the early intervention, and Georgie, I know you have worked with my partner, Jackie, on this process over a long time. Why is early intervention so important? So between zero and five, 90% of brain development occurs. So we have got this richly formative window of time where so much of a little person's brain is developed. And in a lot of ways, it sets the trajectory for life. So when we talk about early intervention, the evidence is really clear that when children are seen by early childhood professionals, and whether that is speech therapists or OTs, whether it's their GP, whether it's the maternal health nurse, whether it's their early educator, children having access to early childhood professionals means that their development is being observed. And therefore, if there is something, and I, I, know, I know this from our experience, when our eldest child um, was three, it was her early childhood educators who said to us, we think that she needs a speech assessment. And she did. And we went and saw a speech therapist. And within a year, her speech had been improved. And that set her up to be in a position that when she arrived at school, she was much more able to, to sort of learn than if she'd missed out on that opportunity because you get this unique window in the early years to make a huge difference. And further to my point before about the extent to which we're letting children down, and I know this is something that your partner Jackie is far too familiar with, is that the national average in Australia is that one in five children arrive at school developmentally vulnerable. Now, in remote and regional areas, it's two in five. Among Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children, it's half. And what we know is that when children arrive at school behind, they rarely, if ever, catch up to their peers. Now, children who have access to even one year of quality early childhood education and care before they start school are half as likely to arrive at school behind. So when you take a step back and you look at the educational, health and economic trajectory, what happens between zero and five is the most profound window we have and we can quite literally set up future generations for success if we get those early years right. Okay, so we have early intervention and we have financial security slash independence 
for primary caregivers, primarily women. Both those are great objectives. Do you think the government understands it? Do you think they've got the political will? Do you think there'll be something in next week's budget around it? Look, we are coming off the back of we have had more than a decade of absolute stagnation on pursuing the policies that we know would improve the lives in a meaningful way of of children and women in particular. And it is incredibly disappointing that Australia lags the world on so many metrics when it comes to paid parental leave, when it comes to women's workforce participation, when it comes to children accessing early education and care. We lag the world, but that is not an accident. It's because we have not pursued the policies that we know enable children and women in particular to thrive. Now, the 2022 federal election was a really significant election. I mean, every federal election is, but what we saw overwhelmingly in 2022 was women voted for candidates and parties that were committed to action on gender equality. So we saw that from the Teal candidates who were successful, you know, one of their key pillars was was on equity. We saw that obviously both the Labor Party and the Greens improved their standing among voters and both of them had gone to the election with key policy commitments that would address gender equality. So for the Albanese government, their commitment to making early childhood education and care more affordable was a key policy offering. The Greens have have got similar positions. Now, we have seen from this Albanese government, they have announced an expansion of paid parental leave. They have put in place um, a productivity commission to look at creating a truly universal early childhood education and care system. And there's no downplaying that. If we were to have an early childhood education and care system that was like our primary school system, where a child's access has absolutely no, you know, their postcode or their parents' income or their parents' activity doesn't determine whether or not they can go there. If we move to that for the early years, that does represent easily the most significant social economic reform that we could ever pursue. You know, it it is life-changing. So we have got, there are promising signs that this federal government recognise the imperative to act and they recognise the importance of pursuing evidence-based policies, not just sort of, you know, there's that famous line, hope is not a strategy, saying that we would hope that women are more equal is never going to achieve anything. In terms of what's going to be in this budget, I do think there is going to be, there is going to be some things that are significant. It doesn't go the whole way. We know that single parents are probably going to have the parenting payment restored until the eldest child is, if not 16, maybe 14. And that's going to make a difference because we know that the decision to take the parenting payment off single parents when their child turned eight has been uh, devastating. And, you know, there's been much more conversation around this that women over 55 are the fastest growing group of Australians who experience homelessness recognising the structural factors that create that disadvantage is huge. I would like to see more ambition from the federal government currently to address some of those driving factors. We'll wait and see on Tuesday night. Georgie, thank you for talking to Fear and Greed. Thanks so much for having me, Sean. 
That was Georgie Dent, journalist, author and executive director of The Parenthood. This is the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. Join us every morning for the full episode of Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Sean Elmer. Enjoy your day.